If you're listening to this show, you're probably not one of these people, but for some people today, I'm sure there's a sports depression because football season is over. Now what do you do? I've never been one of those people because we, well, we've already been into basketball as far as what do you do, but now baseball, of course, upcoming, and we've been into softball, golf, tennis, track and field, and we love covering all the sports for you here on Bulls Beat and on USF Bulls Unlimited. Win or lose, couple losses, and like I said earlier, losses not created equally. The effort by the men's team was very, very impressive. Now, it lost, and it can happen against Wichita State, and the Shockers went unconscious at the wrong time for the Bulls, but getting there was pretty impressive. Not at the beginning. The Bulls were down 20-8. to Then they decided to make it a game. This was the first set of encouraging highlights. The ball goes up a high arcing three. Ram ripped out. Tipped by Corey Walker, Jr. And right there again was Corey for a tip. Into the corner goes D.J. Patrick, fires a three, good! And the Bulls have made two threes in the opening 10 minutes of the first half. Very encouraging, and we know what D.J. Patrick can do if he gets hot. Nine and a half minutes to go first half, Etienne drives it into the paint, stops on a dime, shot blocked by Corey Walker Jr. Outlet pass to Kayla Murphy, it's a race to the basket, finger roll is good on a goal 10 against Wichita State. How about the play by Corey Walker at the defensive end? Porter Jr., the point guard to Etienne on the left wing. It's 20-15 to 15 with 9.08 to go in this the opening half. Into the deep corner goes to Joe Pleasant. Enters it in down low. This is Porter Jr. No place to go with it. His pass is tipped. Javon Green ends up with a loose ball off to Caleb Murphy. Behind the back move, and he lays it in. Oh, my, Caleb Murphy. It's showtime in the roundhouse. Oh, my goodness. Caleb Murphy did a horse move. He had a def- he cut off a defender. He put it behind his back, and he laid it in. That is un- That's the, the play of the season right there. A nice little 9-0 run punctuated with an amazing play you just heard. And as you probably just heard also, whatever the engineer for the radio visiting teams there in Wichita has set up, it's uh, maybe even too much of the sound effects from the rim and whatnot, but you did get to hear everything. You also heard, if you were listening on Bulls Unlimited, Wichita State answer immediately with eight points and a 10-point lead, but the Bulls hung around. You heard Corey Walker's name a lot. He hit a three and scored a basket after that to basically get the Bulls within range, and then Javon Green hits a three late in the half, 34-30. It's a game. And then, after a Dexter Dennis three-pointer start of the second half for Wichita, another run for the Bulls. How about 11-0 for the lead? Chaplin now to Javon Green. Makes a move to the right, launches a three. Good! Javon Green! The lefty went the other way this time. To the right, and the Bulls have their fifth made three of the game. It's 37-36. Kicks it in the corner. There's Green again. Ball fake, steps back, fires a three. Yes! Javon Green has shot the Bulls into the lead. Pass inside, taken away by Sam Hines. Stepped in front of the pass to Udesi. is a lead pass to Chaplin. There's a two-handed dunk in transition. He just flushed it on Dexter Dennis. Murphy on the pass, and this is DJ Patrick. Three is good. A half dozen for the Bulls. They're making them so fast, I can't keep up with them, partner. Seven. 44-39 Bulls lead, their largest lead, into Jackson. His shot is erased by Corey Walker, Jr. down low. Made three-pointers, high-flying dunks, although unfortunately Chaplin got hurt on that dunk. And the Bulls were ahead, as you heard, 44-39. But Wichita answered back, tied it up. Only for Sam Hines to respond with a three-point play. This is the midway point of the second half. And when Murphy hits a pull-up, with 7.19 to go, the Bulls are up, 53-46. At that point, Bulls, again, seven minutes to go. Game's not over. Up seven. Wichita State was 4 of 19 in the half. 
Wichita State would make its next four. An immediate three-point answer by Dexter Dennis. And basically, the Shockers had the thing tied up by the five-minute mark. And while the Bulls did great at the beginning of the game from three-point range, they did not hit one after that Patrick three, which came with about 14 minutes to go. Meanwhile, Wichita, after the Bulls took the seven-point lead, made four three-pointers. And while they've been, as we told you on Friday's show, losing some close games, when you're doing this kind of stuff, you're probably going to win the close games. Ricky Council backs out, steps back, launches a long-distance three. That's good. Oh, my God. What can you say about that? I mean, he just stepped back and let it fly. I'm sure his coach did not like seeing yeah. that shot, but, boy, that guy had no conscience, and it went in. That was a shot you're not supposed to take. It was a one-point lead with two minutes to go. If that misses, obviously game on. didn't end the game, but you kind of got the vibe that they were going to win. Then Cancel scored on the ensuing possession. It was 67-61. Final score, 73-69. Bulls held down Tyson Etienne, their leading scorer, with Javon Green hounding him to 2 of 9 on threes and just 12 points on 3 of 12 shooting. Council off the bench, and remember he's the one who scored 31 off the bench against UCF, scored 18 against the Bulls in 25 minutes. Green, 15 points, 6 rebounds, 3 of 8 on threes. Murphy, 15 points, 5 rebounds. Walker, 9 points and 11 rebounds in 19 minutes off the bench and 3 assists. Chiwa, 12 points. Bull shot 7 of 18 on threes. We're level with Wichita State in rebounds. Really, statistically, it was a pretty even game. And here's what Brian Gregory had to say about it on his show. Well, we're, we're, we're playing our best sustained basketball of the season right now. Uh, three very competitive, hard-fought 120 minutes of basketball in the last three games. In this league, you have to do that to compete. Now we need to tighten up a few things in order to, you know, secure some wins. As we get to the last, as we call them rounds, the last eight minutes of the game, we've got to be able to make some plays. But then also earlier in the game, we got to eliminate just a mistake or two here and there, both offensively and defensively. And I like the progress that we're making right now, Jim. They recorded that show on Sunday afternoon at the Yingling Center. We're debuting it on Monday. You want to hear it. We'll replay it several times Monday and Tuesday leading up to the next game. Three games at home this week all against teams that the Bulls certainly can beat. Remember, they played SMU and Houston twice each. You get to the other part of the schedule. Tulane, ECU, and Tulsa in a row, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Hopefully you can make it out to the Yingling Center. We'll preview tomorrow's game, of course, on tomorrow's Bulls beat. Women, no highlights. If you want to hear it, yeah, we're replaying the loss to UCF, 54-33. to You heard it, 33. 12 points in the second half. If you're wondering, the fewest points they'd ever scored in a half was nine against Georgia State. You remember when they played Georgia State in 1977. But 12 points is basically their fifth worst mark ever and worst since a couple of games against UConn, both in the 2009 season. Fewest points scored in a game, 33, tied for fourth worst. Until yesterday, their previous 10 worst offensive performances, only one of them was since 2000. That was 2007. So we're talking about... Nothing like this in 15 years for the Bulls. Now, you got to credit UCF. They're among the nation's leaders in defense. But the Bulls have got to start making some three-point shots. They hit two in a row, but they were two for 19 for the game. They hit two in a row in an 8 nothing run that ended the first half after they had fallen behind 27-13. They were within four early in the third quarter. But then the key sequence. The Bulls try to go inside because they weren't hitting their outside shots to Betty Menunga and Dulce Fankamengiadu. They got rejected by the big post for UCF, who on their end, Masanikaba and Brittany Smith, 
both were their only double-figure scores. They combined for 20 points in the second half. While the Bulls were just scoring 12 as a team, UCF was patiently milking the clock. Going inside, the Bulls held down Diamond Battles, who's their leading scorer, to just 2 of 11 and 7 points, but they didn't need her. They just needed their defense and their two posts to consistently make shots in the layup to 10-foot range. While the Bulls, after those failed attempts inside in the three-possession stretch, Manunga and Fankamengiadu did not attempt a shot the next eight minutes. Manunga, five points, just two boards. Fankamengiadu, two points. Bulls, again, two for 19 on threes, 27% overall as a team. Five for 23 in the second half, 0 for 9 on threes. And major concerns. And listen to how Jose Fernandez finishes some of our conversation from the postgame show. I mean, I thought Smith and Caba, both of them were efficient. They defended. And the three-point shooting in the last few games. What What's going on with that? Because that is not typical of your team. You know what it is, Bridget? You know what? At, at one point or another, you got to make shots. you got to be a player. I know there's the mental aspect and all that other stuff, but... You know, the only way you get better is by getting in the gym. You know, Central Florida has been waiting 365 days to kick our ass. And they they did it at their place, and they did it here. Diamond Battles, Sanders, those guys really had great off-seasons. Look how well they're shooting the ball from three. So the best thing for you as a basketball player to do is while no one's watching, get in the gym, work on your game, because we only have 20 hours a week. And that includes film, weights, individual workouts, and practice. Their post guys, they finished through contact. We didn't. Guess what? They deserve to win the regular season championship. We lost to them twice, so that's out of the way. You're only, you're only going to get them back for the automatic bid. But we got to take care of business for an at-large bid right now. And if we don't, you know, we're not playing in the NIT. Our program's past the NIT. Yeah, more than a little bit interesting, those last comments. We'll get more into their actual outlook later on in the week. But now let's just, in quick succession, wrap up the rest of the sports in the weekend. Men's golf, Steve Bradley's team started off the spring, said they were the fifth-ranked team in the Gainesville event. How about finishing third? Very solid. Also said that the Gators had won their own event 28 times. Even though they were the sixth-ranked team, not only did they win 28 under par, their B team finished in fifth place. The highest-ranked team, Oklahoma State, was second, 16 under par. Gators were 28, and then the Bulls were two under par. Albin Bergstrom, like the Bulls as a team, finished third as an individual. He had five birdies on his front nine yesterday and ended up shooting five under. Bulls edged out Georgia Southern, which was one shot behind them. Bergstrom, eight under for the event, every round under par. Second best scorer was Run Yupreyong, who was one under for the tournament. His best round was a two under in his second round. One over was Luke Gifford, went 72-70-69 on the par 70 course. And then Shubi Jagalon was at even par through two rounds, struggled to a seven over yesterday. But frankly, even if he was seven under yesterday, the Bulls would have still finished in third place, which was a good spot in that event. Incidentally, I plan on rolling out to the golf complex on Tuesday, talking to Steve Bradley, perhaps to a golfer as well, so... Stay tuned for that on the program. Also from the weekend, again, a 4-3 loss for men's tennis. Ashley Fisher's team is 2-4, and four, but three losses were as close as can be. Georgia State, FAU, and now the 12th-ranked team in the country, Texas A&M, edges the Bulls, who took the lead on the Aggies again in doubles. Now, we told you 
that in beating two Pac-12 teams at the ITA event, the only loss for Texas A&M was at the doubles level. But this seemed like an extra point for the Bulls because of how it went down. It went down to the number one doubles set. At number three, Sergio Gomez Montesa and Alvin Tudorico for the Bulls, 1-6-4. At the number two spot after that, it was Chase Ferguson and Antonio Muniz falling 7-5. So all eyes were on the first doubles court, and it went to a tiebreaker. And a nail-biter, 9-7, the Bulls, Rhythmic Palapali and Bruno Oliveira win. So the Bulls are on top going to singles. But Texas A&M is loaded at singles, and man, did the Bulls push them. Now, it must be said, at the bottom two spots, Texas A&M rolled. And when your bottom players are dominating, that's a way to get wins. It's not a way to steal wins, but if you're solid one through six, your chances improve. And Texas A&M won at the number five spot, 6-2-6-1, and at the number six spot, 6-2-6-2. So those two matches realistically were going to go to Texas A&M, meaning the Bulls were going to still have to take three of the other four, which is a tough proposition against the 12th ranked team in the country. And man, do the Bulls have a chance in all four of them, but ended up only winning one, and that was after the overall score was decided. And man, did the Bulls have a chance in all four of them. They ended up winning two, but the two crushers were basically at number one and number three singles because that wrapped up the match for Texas A&M, and they were both second-set tiebreakers. Obviously, if those go the other way, the Bulls are realistically in line to upset number 12 Texas A&M instead. Their top player, Noah Schachter, beat Chase Ferguson, 6-3-7-6. It was 7-4 in that tiebreaker. And Rafael Perot defeated Muniz at the number three spot, 6-2-7-6, dominating the tiebreaker, 7-2. Bulls number two, Ivan Yatsuk, had lost his first set, won the second. So he was pulling off the comeback and actually finished that match, 6-4. And then once the number four single spot went to a third set, and oh, by the way, Texas A&M won a tiebreaker there to force a third set. They did not play a full third. Again, the overall match was decided, so they let Texas A&M's Mathis Ross and the Bulls' Sergio Gomez-Montesa play a third-set mini-tiebreaker, basically. First to 10 points wins the match, and the Bulls' Sergio Gomez-Montesa wins. So 4-3 loss. Match was basically 4-1 to one and clinched by Texas A&M when the Bulls got their two singles victories. However, obviously one of the other two matches that clinched it for Texas A&M could have gone the Bulls' way. Again, they are having a rough time finishing off these very close nail-biters. Obviously, they are right there. Women's team is 1-5 after winning its opener, and similar situation to the men's match in that the bottom courts really decided this thing. But in this case, the Bulls actually did win half of the singles matches and were doomed by the fact that they dropped the doubles point. No better example of why depth on a tennis squad is vital. The number four, five, and six players for SMU all won. The top three players for the Bulls all won. But those lower courts were all straight set routes in effect. Only one Bull won more than two games in a set. But at the top, Sierra Berry handled SMU's Hadley Doyle at the number two spot, 6163. Closer at number three, but Laura Pelissier wins the first set 7-5 and then 6-2 in the third. Essentially, the three wins by the Bulls 
were all turned in after SMU had clinched the match at 4 to nothing. with the final point going to the Bulls, Grace Schumacher at the top spot. Nice for her to get a win at number one against a very good opponent, and she had to come back to do it. Lost the first set 6-2, wins the second 6-3, and again they played that third set mini tiebreaker to decide it since things were done, and 10-6. So a win at number one is a win at number one, especially against one of the better women's teams in the league. SMU is 4-2. and two. Again, the Bulls fall to 1-5. and five. They have dropped a couple of 4-3 results. And the 5-2 loss to UNF, kind of misleading because the Bulls took the doubles point there and honestly really should have won a couple of matches they didn't. So essentially, the men have three actual 4-3 losses and are 2-4. and four. The women are 1-5 and five and have two actual 4-3 losses and an in-effect one. So both below 500, but really close. And if you want to see the women play, two chances this weekend at home. They'll play Liberty Saturday at noon. Next day against North Texas, future conference opponent. As a matter of fact, they're playing Rice and FAU as well this season as the six teams from Conference USA that will be coming into the American year after next. Pretty good at women's tennis, as it turns out. That's going to do it for this extended version of Bulls Beat here on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Wrapping up last weekend. Thanks for listening.